Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining us on this special edition of Barbecue Nation. This show is where Leanne and I talk about competitive barbecue. Not about the people who compete, but about the people who want to compete and how they get started, what it takes, and what they should look out for. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm actually interviewing my co-host, Leanne Whippen. As you know, Leanne has an extensive history in barbecue, not just on television, but uh, on a lot of stuff she does on the ground, so to speak, working for uh, different companies. And of course, she's had a number of restaurants, so on and so on. Her her resume is extensive. Uh, But the part of her resume that I think sometimes people overlook and her vast knowledge is that she was also quite a fierce competitor competitor if i can speak mm-hmm. this morning and she still is so hey mm-hmm. sparkles how you doing hi great how are you i'm good so what i wanted to do with this you know was when you and i interview people we are talking to people that are way up to their necks in competitive barbecue and um that's the genre we're talking about that particular week But there's lots of people that are looking around thinking, you know, I might want to dip my toe in that water. I might want to try competition. And depending on where you are in the country, et cetera, et cetera, you know, like up here in the Northwest, we don't have a lot of barbecue competitions. Season is fairly short for us Mm -hmm. because of, you know, inclement weather and, and what have you. And when college football starts up here, everything kind of shuts down. you know, right. Like that, uh, in your neck of the woods down in, in, uh, Florida, in the South there, the competitions go on at infinitum. So, but what I wanted to talk to you about was how do they get started? You know, if they're sitting in their car or home or whatever, listening to this podcast, they may have a lot of questions and I thought we could give them, if you will, the beginner's guide to getting involved in competition barbecue. So to start with, I wanted you to give us a bit of your background about your competition exploits. And, you know, we'll touch on the TV stuff you've done, of course, but I think it's really uh, important for people to get a little background on you and then we'll talk uh on a number of topics on the how where why what etc okay um well i started um in competition 25 years ago my how time flies uh with the kansas city barbecue society circuit and it's considered a blind circuit because all of your entries are numbered and renumbered and and that was a circuit i preferred and supported um And 25 years ago, when I considered getting into competition, uh, the first thing I did was take the judging class, because I think it's important that you find out what the judges 
uh, criteria is and how the scoring is worked. And, and, and it's a great class. It's not expensive. Um, I also believe in joining the Kansas City Barbecue Society. You get a subscription to the Bullshit, which is their publication. And in that publication, at the end of it, they list all the competitions that are KCBS sanctioned throughout the country. So you can kind of see um, what's in your neck of the woods, <clears throat> pardon me, um, which is important because in this day and age, competition has become very expensive because of cost of meat, et cetera, gas. And so you could take a look um, and prepare yourself uh, based on your schedule, um, you know, by looking at these various competitions uh, that are throughout the country. So those are the few things that I did in the beginning. Um, so that that's pretty much about that. So as far as my experience uh, out of the gate, I was really fortunate to win the Georgia State competition and go to the American Royal Invitational and won first place in pork. So, of course, when you win an award like that, you just want to keep going. And as people say, the barbecue bug bit me. Um, so I actually became so enthralled with competition uh, that I quit my hotel job and hit the road and, and started vending to support this habit that um, it became for me. And uh, along the years that I competed, I've been fortunate to win many state and even some national championships, um, as well as the Kingsford belt. I have the big buckle belt, you know, from them um, and then got involved with the world food championships. And with my daughter, we actually won first runner up out in Vegas. And, um, so, I mean, I still compete to this day. I did Florida State Championship um, in January with my daughter. It was hard when I got heavy into restaurants to compete, so I laid off of it for a while. But I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, if you are of a competitive nature, you like to do barbecue, I highly encourage you to get into uh, this competitive circuit. So how do they do it? I mean, you said, you know, get involved with KCBS and probably now the NBBQA. Um, but if you're sitting at home going, well, that's, that's great. Uh, I can go to Kansas city or somewhere within a few hundred miles of me and take one of the, the judging classes and kind of get that. Mm -hmm. But then when it, there, there comes a time when you have to pull the trigger and I'm sure thoughts that go through people's minds are, what am I going to cook on? Um, how do I get there? How do I set up? If they've been to the class, but they've never been to a competition, they're, they're probably unfamiliar with lo the logistics of things. Right. And I think it's important to attend some of these contests that are in your area. Talk to the cookers, um, pick their brain, um, you know, get their insight. And you really get the vibe when you're actually at a contest and the excitement that's there. And also the family uh, camaraderie, even though we're fierce competitors, we're still a family and friends, um, first and foremost. And um, yeah, so I highly recommend going to the contest. Also, you know, there are options for judging, you don't have to dive in and do all the four categories, which are pork ribs, brisket, um, chicken and then, you know, pork butts, you can do what they call backyard and you can only, you, you can do just one meat and maybe do that and, and get the feel of competition, master that meat and, and 
move on to the next category. And when you really feel like you're prepared and you've had a lot of practice and experience, then move on to doing the full on four categories. So when you're starting, what are you going to actually need? Um, well, there are rules and regulations, of course, and you should be very familiar with those. Um, but you've got to decide what you're going to cook on first off. Yeah. Um, and so it, it has to be, you know, charcoal or wood. Um, it, it can be electric in that you can use a, a pellet cooker, but it has to be, you know, pretty much wood and charcoal. And once you decide and you don't have to go super expensive and buy these really expensive barbecue things. I started on a Weber Smoky Mountain Bullet, and I know a lot of guys that will take one bullet and put each meat category and take four of them. And, you know, they're around 300 bucks um, and, and they do the job beautifully. And it, it, they really do teach you how to cook over live fire. Uh, so the best thing to do is decide what you're going to cook on. And when you purchase it or you already have it, it is to practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Uh, I can't emphasize how important that is. The only problem is in today's world with the price um, of beef, beef briskets, you know, weigh a lot. They're very expensive. So it's hard to practice a lot on a, a beef brisket. So, you know, when you do something like that, maybe do it for a, a holiday where you have, um, you know, family and friends and you can get their feedback too. I, I have actually done uh, things at home. Like I'll do a chicken run with a couple different rubs and sauces that I like, and I won't tell them what's what, and I will do what they call a barbecue plate, which is what the KCBS uses in judging and have them actually, it's almost like a fake competition and have them judge it. And then I'll look at the scores and then I'll somewhat use that as, as my base and, and what I'm going to use, you know, they liked it. So that's what I'm going to use in, in my next contest. Hmm. Well, that's a good idea. Um, when you're deciding on the cooker and, and you talked about the, the bullet and that type of thing, but in, these days we see people using the drums, uh, you know, um, that's a whole different way of cooking uh, compared to like a pellet cooker, for example. And I would think that you need to be very, very comfortable with whatever uh, grill smoker, whatever you're going to use to step into one of these competitions, even if it's at a local level. And I, you know, we all need to start at the local level, but point being is uh, you can get there and get the adrenaline going. And all of a sudden something that like some ribs that should take, you know, three hours, four hours, whatever, they're pretty much done in an hour and one that'll throw your timing off i would assume and the other thing is they might not look that sharp they you might have cooked them too hot so well that's part of becoming a really good pit master is overcoming the obstacles um it's important before you go into a competition to look at the weather you're going to get into if it's going to be rain or cold because that's going to affect your cooker uh, so you have to, and sometimes things will just pop up that you don't expect. Like you said, it might get done too soon. So you have to learn how to hold it and, and, um, you know, keep it warm without, you know, messing up the integrity of, of the product. And, 
you know, that that's part of it. That's why a lot of these guys that do really well have been doing it a long time, but everybody has to start somewhere. So you shouldn't get discouraged, but I, I can't emphasize enough how much, um, practice and you're right, the comfort level, um, going into a contest and not just jumping in a truck and going, um, it, it, it's a, it's a serious investment and it, it's, it's serious stuff. So you have to take it seriously. Yeah. Leanne and I will be right back after these messages from our sponsor. Please stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. Before we get back to our How Do You Compete Barbecue show, uh, real simple here. If you want to contact us, you can send an email to Jeff at BarbecueNationJT.com or Leanne, BarbecueNationJT.com. They'll come right to us. You can also check out our website. No fooling. BarbecueNationJT.com. We've got some great links on there for you. Now back to the show. Well, I, I, I'll give you an example. I was at a contest. Oh, well, I don't even remember. It was a few years ago. And there was an older guy there and his granddaughter, and they were having the best time. He had his Weber kettle. He -hmm. had never been to one of these. And I was walking by and evidently he knew who I was. I don't know how, but he did. Cause in radio, (laughs) you don't see your face very much. But he, and he said, can you help me? Can I don't know what I'm doing. He was very honest about it. And I said, I'll tell you what, I, there was a friend of mine who was competing. And I said, I know you can go down and talk to Jesse. And he was a very gracious man. And his wife was there and they were doing all the right stuff. And I said, but uh, Jesse will help you. And he did. Now, I don't know if that gentleman and his granddaughter are still going around because we don't have very many competitions where I live. Mm-hmm. But I think you would find that these people, for the most part, are pretty open to talk to you, at least at the entry level. I, I agree. I mean, even on a competitive level, they aren't going to tell you everything they do. And they also know that it, it takes, you know, the experience of um, dealing with what happens on site. Um, it's just not an exact recipe, nor is smoking or cooking barbecue. It's, you, it's a, it's a look and feel and touch thing, uh, that you master as, as you go along. Um, another important thing is if you're considering putting a team together and you are going to tackle different categories rather than the whole team working on all the categories, it's best to dedicate a certain person for each category, say someone's a great chicken cooker, we'll have that person do the chicken. Um, And it's important, you know, just to have a a person focused on a particular category that helps with a lot of the pressure and and you won't uh, run into each other. And, and, and I think I think that's a good thing to do. And you also can't forget, um, the time constraints are, are very extreme and you can't be running your boxes and getting ready to turn in the next category. You're only one person. So you should have a dedicated runner for your food. Um, 
so that you can focus because it's every half hour, each one gets turned in. So it's best to have a runner to take care of that as well. And for people who don't know what that is, you have a certain deadline, as Leanne just said, to turn in, let's say, ribs, for example. Mm -hmm. um, you need to have, if it's at 11 o'clock, I'm just making stuff up now, but if it's at 11 o'clock, you want to make sure that at 10.55, you're within 50 feet of the turn-in table. Um, you know, you and that's don't another thing, yeah, you have to consider is the distance of your turn-in area because... What I do is when I go to a contest, one of the first things that I'll do is find out exactly where it is. I will walk to it. I will time myself so I know how long it takes from where I'm located to get to that turn in area because that has to be factored into your time because there's only a 10 minute window. For example, chicken gets turned in um, between five to noon and five afternoon. So you have a 10 minute window. If you miss that, you're done. You're you're you're. Yeah there's no exception whatsoever. I mean, it's down to the second. So you have to factor in the time that it takes to bring the food to that area. Um, I'm a big believer in shooting for turning in earlier rather than later. So that in case you have trouble putting places, you know, placing things in your box or you're not happy with it, you have a little bit of a few minutes to be able to correct it and not flip out before you go into the next category. Cause the next category is in a half hour and it just, it, it it goes super fast and you don't realize it and the time can get away from you. And also I, I would highly invest in a big clock because yes, you have your phones and yes, you have your alarms, but when you're fiddling with barbecue and you have barbecue sauce, you can't be fiddling with your phone. So if you have a nice digital clock right in front of where you're preparing your boxes, that's very helpful also. Absolutely. When you go and let's, let's talk about chicken. How much chicken do you, you recommend people take with them i mean are you going to take so for kcbs you have to turn in a minimum of six identifiable separate pieces for the judges okay so i'll i can't say that cooking six they're all going to be perfect they aren't they all cook differently so i always uh cook 16 uh pieces of chicken so it gives me um i usually will cook um eight of them on one cooker, eight of them on another cooker so that I have a backup plan. If one gets overdone or one gets underdone, at least I have a backup. And then out of those eight, it gives you an opportunity to pick the best six. And it also leaves two pieces for you to actually bite into it and make sure it's great. How do you decide like your uh, rubs? How do you decide if you're going to glaze them with a sauce or whatever? Some people swear by certain practices. Other people say, no, I do it this way. That's, you know, when people are getting started, Leanne, that's kind of a, that's kind of down to the minutia, if you will, of, of the subject, but it's very important. Yeah. And as I said, it goes back to taking that judging class because you will learn that in KCBS, the flavor profile uh, is a tomato based sweet sauce for the most part, excluding brisket. Um, and so. And there's a lot of resources out there to help you with competitive barbecue as it relates to rubs and sauces, you'll see YouTube videos of competition cookers actually revealing some of those things and promoting them. And they know it works, you know, look at the ones that, you know, have a proven record 
Um, they aren't going to lie about what sauce and rub they're using, but, uh, for the most part, you can't pull your sauce. You don't put sauce, you know, in a separate cup on the side. So in my experience, it's, it's a matter of rubs, layering rubs, layering flavors. You want that one bite to give them a, the wow factor. And then as far as sauce, I always, um, you know, lightly glaze the sauce and, you know, not heavily sauce because that indicates that you're trying to cover up something. Appreciate you listening to this special edition of Barbecue Nation with Leanne and myself. Don't forget to contact us at barbecuenationjt.com. That's BBQNationJT. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of our special on what do you need to do to get into the competition world. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. Thanks for staying with us today. This is a special show, as I said, uh, that Leanne and I put together about what you need, the who, what, where, how, and why of getting started in competitive barbecue. Now back to the show. I've judged a few of these uh, over the years, and that impression before the judges even pick up the chicken or the ribs, whatever, that is that is really opens the door for you sitting in Mm -hmm. that chair. I can tell you, and you've done that a heck of a lot more than I have, but I can tell you when I open that box and they, they look at it and all that, and it's laid out nicely the way it's supposed to be. And it's very pretty and all that. If you open the box and it's just drenched with, you know, sweet baby rays or whatever, Mm -hmm. excellent sauce. But as a judge, you look at that and go, Hmm, I wonder what's wrong with that. Right. And, and appearance is super important. That's one of the criteria. So you're judged for appearance, taste, and tenderness. Uh, the, um, appearance score is weighted less than the other two categories. Um, taste is the heaviest weighted. So that's the most important, uh, but still nevertheless, appearance is super important. And you have to take a look at your garnish rules, because if you garnish with red tip lettuce, for example, you will be disqualified. So you don't want to turn in great meat and then blow it on your garnish. It's not a garnish contest and it shouldn't be. uh, But nevertheless, you still want your boxes to look good and abide by the rules. Well, that's always uh, a good thing. Uh, You talked about the expense of of meats and stuff. how do you select let's go to ribs you go to the grocery store and in your ribs for the most part unless you're in an actual butcher shop or cryovac they're just there in a in a bag usually from swift or smithfield or whatever and it you know there's different types of ribs but you look at them and how do you pick them out how do you pick out the ones you want So it's hard when they're in cryovac because, for example, if you go to Sam's Club, there'll be like three ribs in a pack. So you can't really see what's in between 
Um, you can also only see one side of the underneath of the ribs and the top. So it's very important when you select your ribs um, and you have a choice of doing baby backs or St. Louis. I prefer St. Louis. I think they have better flavor, more marbling um, and more fat, you might say. Uh, but I always turn the ribs over and look at the underside of the rib. And what I'm looking for is that the bones are straight because when you cut into them, you want to make sure that the appearance is right and that it's a straight, not crooked bone. And when you flip them over, you'll see that immediately. Um, so you're looking for the straightness of the bone. You're looking for the marbleization of the meat and you want it to be as you know, pick out the most marbled meat that's there. Um, also, um, a lot of these companies that competitors use are now in the competition market and you can actually order meat from them and they have competition um, quality meats like Snake River or Compart Duroc. So you can order from them. Um, and it, I really do think it's worth the investment since you're dedicating so much time and money in this that you do buy high quality meats. And um, that's what it starts with. Yeah, it does. You, you uh, mentioned something there that leads me to another question. Your knives, you've got to cut, you've got to make pretty and a P R E T T Y cuts mm -hmm. on, on these when you're slicing your ribs or you're cutting your brisket or whatever. And if you watch, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the pit master shows on TV or even on YouTube, uh, they use a variety of knives. Some people use electric knives mm -hmm. on certain things like that. What do you do? And, and how do you make sure that those cuts are just like you want them? One of the things on my checklist is to sharpen my knives before I go without a doubt. And I also bring many knives and I also bring scissors just to, you know, take little clips off of the side, you know, if it's a jagged edge or whatever, uh, tweezers, even to pull something that might, you know, look kind of gloppy off of there. Uh, so you have to have all these things, but sharp knives are important. I do use Gunter Wilhelm knives a lot. Um, and it's super important. Like when you're cutting ribs that you make sure you cut through them all the way. I learned my lesson. I got DQ'd once in my life and it was for ribs because I had six ribs in the box and two of them were stuck together. I didn't cut it all the way through. So when you cut through, separate your ribs to make sure that they are not attached because you can get DQ'd for that. Do you actually handle them with your fingers gloves on, of course, uh, or do you use like a pair of really good tongs to separate them? Definitely do not use tongs because it can um, it can scrape off sauce. It can uh, ruin the whole look of the rib. And it also when you turn in ribs like even chicken, you make sure that you have sauce, you know, both underneath and on the top, because when they bite in, you know, you want them to get the whole entire flavor, you know, in their mouth. Um, so it's. It's important to have really good knives and and yeah. hands and hands and and because anything else is it, there's a chance that it could um, you know ruin the product uh, as far as from a look standpoint. Well, doesn't that also go with your rubs? Um, you go to somebody's house and they cook some really nice ribs, but there's no rub on the bottom side of it, and there's still you know you'll still get some meat when you bite into that rib on the bottom side, most of it's on the top, but you know what I mean? 
It's not even the top and the bottom. It's the sides. Like a lot of people forget that they should not, you know, you should put rub all over uh, because what if that one bite and on a rib, they're going to get the side of the rib. So why not put the dry rub there where they can, you know, taste that flavor. You ever cook the rib separately? I mean, do you ever cut them and then cook them separately? Like a rack, cut them into sep. No, yeah. no, no. Okay. No. Yeah. I keep them. I will say that I do trim off usually the end couple ribs off of each rack um, because they're not going to be turned in. So uh, why have it there? And it's something for me to eat while I'm cooking. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing today, kiddo, because I know you've got to go, but um you talk about, you know, you got to practice, practice, practice. And, and it's like anything, whether it's golf or tennis or cooking, whatever, you've got to practice. How much time do you spend on your prep uh, prior to going to the comp? And kind of walk us through that real quickly. Well, the prep has changed over the years, at least for myself. I would bring all the meats already in their packaging and and I would prep on site. But now I try to do as much prep ahead of time as possible, especially chicken thighs, which I it's very tedious work. And it does take a long time for 16, say, thighs to trim them um, and to make them absolutely perfect. So um, I try to prep my chicken. Um, you can't inject or do rubs or anything like that in advance, but as far as, uh, trimming your brisket, which can take some time, um, and and it's less pressure when you're doing it at home. Uh, so I do try to prep the meats, you know, in advance. And also if you're going to bring, um, brines or anything like that, rather than make them on site, have them already made up. Um, so you're ready to roll it, you know, because the more brine time, the better. And so, you know, once your meat inspection is done, you're good to go. So you don't want to be fiddling around with making all these different things. <laughs> right. Well, and we're going to in the next uh, segment of this, we're going to talk about things like meat inspection and uh, just more down specifics, little tiny things, because those are the things that can either make you a winner or you just go home type mm-hmm. thing. Anyway, Leanne Whippen. Uh, Pitmaster, extraordinaire, TV star, uh, radio co-host, I might say too, star there, uh, and restaurateur, among other things on her resume. Thanks for uh, sharing a lot of your knowledge with oh, the Oh, my listener. pleasure. I, I love to compete and I encourage people to compete. So as much knowledge as I can give to them to give them a little head start. I love it. There you go. We're going to take a quick break and be back in just a couple of minutes. We would like to thank again Painted Hills Natural Beef for their support of this show over the years. We really appreciate it. Greatest beef on the planet as far as I'm concerned. And Gunter Wilhelm Knives. Great quality, great price, great efficiency in your kitchen. That's GunterWilhelmKnives.com. Don't forget, you can catch other shows from Barbecue Nation. All of our shows are available on social media platforms such as Captivate and uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts and Spotify, all of them out there. We're on 30 or more of them. So you can check it out anywhere you're at with any device you have. Just go to Barbecue Nation JT and there they will be for your enjoyment. Please stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. Got to stretch our legs a little bit and clean off our barbecue tongs. And then we're coming right back. 
everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us. I'm JT with my co-host Leanne Whippen, and we've been talking today about what it takes to get you involved in the world of competitive barbecue. So let's get back to the show. She's been on television a lot. She did Throwdown. She did Original Pitmaster. She's done a lot of things there. She's a restaurateur, and now she's in Florida doing the Deviled Pig. Um, she snuck off to that one, though, because she had some family reasons to to pull her down to Florida. So, um, and I think that's really cool. How are things changed in the, leave COVID out of this, Leanne, but how have things changed over the years and evolved since you like were first got into the food and beverage, the restaurant business? Um, well, as far as restaurants, um, I mean, there's always been a lot of restaurants around. I just feel like there's a lot of different, um, different kinds of food out there, but there's always a lot of barbecue, but I like where barbecue is going and, you know, introducing, you know, different kinds of meats um, and flavor profiles and infusing meats, you know, with uh, different kind of spices and sauces and stuff. So it's become a lot more creative, I think. Um, and, you know, you, barbecue is always, you know, kind of hole in the wall, which I can appreciate. I love hole in the wall places. Sure. Um, there, it's kind of changing, um, in the dining room. So you get, you know, higher end restaurants and different experiences, um, not only with the food, but, uh, with the atmosphere as well. I do. I do have to say though, I do kind of miss, like you were saying, the hole in the wall, you know, the bar, the bar with the smoker out back and you can kind of see the smoke wafting above the the roof is when you pull into the parking lot, which, you know, you're kicking a beer can out of your way when you pull into the parking lot or something like that. Exactly. You know, that, uh, I miss some of those. Um, Yeah, I do too. Um, That's why it's great that a lot of the old school, you know, places are still around and they're around for a reason. You know, people, I think really like that. What do you think the greatest experience you've had besides winning you know, you won a lot and you were on television, but what's the greatest personal experience you think working in barbecue and can be just in the F and B side of it or whatever, doesn't matter, but you're the thing that you went, wow, that's really good. That's fun. I'm glad I did that. Um, I think it's, um, I've, I've had a couple of experiences that have really, um, hit me. Cause I, sometimes I don't realize how, Sometimes I can have an effect on, you know, women in the business and also mm-hmm. families because my kids were in it. So I've been at competitions uh, where I've met families and the kids are like, I'm doing this because of you. And um, things like that, that are, it changes their lives. And that's a, that's a big deal for me. And I consider it a positive because this is a great thing to do. And I like that I've, I've been able to have that effect on people. So when I get that kind of feedback, it means a lot. We've um, kind of focused over the years here on this show, tried to bring the, the women in barbecue to the forefront. We've got uh, 
Lene Oxley, who's a friend and and has been on the show a number of times. Amy Mills, we just did a show with her. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, Christy Vandover from Las Vegas. She has Girls Can Grill. I'm trying to think of them right now, and now we've got you on there. I think there's, from what I can see, there's a lot more women actually getting in there, participating, uh, not only in the competition, but they're opening restaurants and stuff. And I think yes, it, I agree. And it's really nice to see. Um, so it's not just a, a man's sport or world. Um, but it is, it is, it can be dirty hard work, you know, work in the pit. And a lot of women just don't want to do that. Yeah. But it is nice to see the expansion because there are definitely more women in it. Well, that's, you know, if you go out on a date later, they go, what is that? Uh, Duroc number five you're wearing there or something? You know? <laughs> That's funny. Well, because I, I, I mean, I I quit smoking and yet I still come in the house and smell like smoke still. So yeah, it, and it carries over for a few days, <laughs> especially after a competition. Yeah, you get up and you can smell it. You know, like when we were in college, you pick up and clean a shirt and try to wear it to class. You know, and give it the sniff test, and then okay, this will get me by for the morning at school. And I'm, I, you know, forty years later, I'm still doing it. Yes, I mean, yeah. This one doesn't smell good. I, I remember I would go to the bank and they're like, gosh, you smell so good. I'm like, well, thank you. And they're like, you're making me hungry. I was like, oh, I smell that good. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, no, no French restaurant for you tonight, sweetheart. We're going over here to the, the chop shop and having a, you know, a poor boy with some pork or something. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good. But um, at least people know we're coming. Put it that way. That's true. You know, they they get the the sense, if you will, that that arrives before us that we're we're locally there. So that's right. It's all good. Um, is there something that you want to achieve? We got a couple minutes left here, uh, Leanne. Is there something you want to achieve, either in the barbecue um, world or the restaurant world, yeah, that you yeah, haven't? You know, one thing that I haven't done, and, um, and I don't know if I ever will, but I have. Uh, started working on it over the years is that I would like to have um, a cookbook and a barbecue book, of course, but not just about barbecue and recipes, but just about experiences of being on the circuit and my journey. Um, so a story as well, but I don't know if that'll happen, <laughs> but that is one thing. Um, that's the only thing I can think of right now. Oh, I also want to get, uh, so my oldest daughter, you know, wants to compete on her own um but kind of with me in the in the shadows so um i'm hoping next year that we can hit the circuit and so that's another thing i want to work on how old your daughters if you don't mind me asking i have a 21 year old sammy and she's in college at george mason and then my oldest is 30 Brittany, and she's the one that's down here oh there you go there you go mm -hmm. you gonna take the toddler if she's got kids you're gonna drag the kids along oh yeah <laughs> Charlie, her name is Charlotte, but we call her Charlie. She's already, you know, had a rib, hold, held on to a rib, and uh, <laughs> she's definitely going to be raised in the barbecue world, no doubt. Like my uh, my girls also. I mean, as they said, they, we had more smokers in the backyard than any fun things like jungle gyms or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we had the ranch, we had the same thing. We had a, a pasture that I put a cabin on and we built eight an eight pit uh above ground stand uh grill smoker whatever yep. you got you could you could do various things with de various 
different pits. And then I brought a couple down from the house, so to speak. So it was kind of like, um, you know, a little barbecue Mecca down there. And uh, <laughs> I can relate. Yeah. And people would come and hell, you couldn't get rid of them all weekend. You know, they were, they were, yeah, of course. <laughs> they'd be kicking them out Monday morning. Don't you have to go to work somewhere? No, man. Isn't there any that left? You know, oh, gee, many Christmas. Some people collect cars. We collect smokers and grills. Thanks for listening to the special edition of Barbecue Nation. We, uh, appreciate you our audience we really appreciate your questions and comments we will be back next week with another show and remember our motto turn it don't burn it go out there have fun and be kind take care everybody barbecue nation is produced by jtsd llc productions in association with envision networks and salem media group all rights reserved